Lord, we just thank you so much for just your name and God, that you that you can be all of those things, that you can be Waymaker, that you can be a promise keeper, and that you love us so much that you you sent your only son to die for our sins, God. And so I just pray that as we go into a time of studying your word, that our hearts would be open, our ears would be open to what you would have to say to us through Pastor Chris. God, we love you, and we just thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give them a hand for a great job? What a, what a great worship set. Well, good morning. Man, we've never seen this many here at 945, Josh. What did we do right today? Well, we canceled the 11 o'clock. That's why they're here at this time. Well, it's great to see you, and thank you for being here, and thank you for starting your week off with us here uh, at First Rustum. July the 4th, 1776, 246 years ago tomorrow, delegates from the 13 colonies met in the old state house in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to make a declaration of independence from Great Britain. They said, this is what we know as America. We are declaring our independence, which was going to kick off a, a war and a lot of crazy things, but eventually led to our country being the country it is today. And what they said, what they felt, obviously, was that what America and people, we say Americans needed more than anything else at that point, was freedom. And I think we would all agree, freedom, personally, and as a country, is a huge thing and a very, very important thing, and we're grateful for that. Well, we're going to be in Ephesians 6 today. Ephesians 6, and I want to up the ante on something that really we need more than freedom— but as a sidebar, when you get this, you will get freedom. You'll get the freedom that you're looking for when you get what's taught in Ephesians 6, verse 19 through 20. So I want to begin with this, and I think this is our greatest need today, folks. We need a real relationship with the real Jesus. What we need more than anything else, by the way, this gives freedom, is we need a real relationship. That means not a religious relationship, not, not a I'm a, a nice person, good person understanding, but that I have an encounter, not with the Jesus of my makings, but the Jesus of the Bible, that I, that I come into a real relationship with Jesus. Now, the context of this passage is very important. The Apostle Paul, God's using the Paul to write this, and Paul is living it up. He's on a cruise, a Mediterranean cruise, and he's, uh, he's got a pina colada, and he is, he's dictating through his iPhone, right? No. Paul is under house arrest in Rome. He is chained 24 hours a day, seven days a week with a, to a Praetorian guard, like a Green Beret or a, or a Navy SEAL. He's there because he was preaching and sharing Jesus. Now, I want you to think with me, if you today were chained to a guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week, what would be your prayer? My prayer would be for a hacksaw. My prayer would be that some of my church members love me enough to bring me cookies. I'm praying for freedom. I want to get, I want to be set free, right? Listen to what Paul prays for. Pray for me also 
that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I will declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul is praying as he is under house arrest. He's going to eventually die in Rome, be killed for, the, for Christianity. And Paul's not praying for his freedom. Paul's not even praying for people to be free. He's not even praying for the government to be overthrown, which it needed to be in that day. Paul's saying, I pray for me so that I can help as many people as I can come to a true relationship with Jesus because Paul got it. Paul knew more than anything else what you need and I need, what our world needs is a true relationship with Jesus. Verse 19. We're going to unpack more of this later, but it says, pray that when I open my mouth, words will be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I hope you're taking notes, and if you are, the word mystery there, it's found in the New Testament several times. What does the word mystery in the New Testament mean? It means a sacred thing that's been hidden in the past. A sacred thing that's been hidden in the past that God has to reveal to us, that, that we couldn't come to on our own. But it's been revealed now. Here's the neat thing. In the, in the New Testament 2,000 years ago, the mystery was revealed. What's the mystery? The mystery is the gospel. The mystery of the gospel. Now, the word gospel can be a little confusing today because it's overused. I, I read a lot of religious literature, and they'll talk about this is a religious stand, and these are religious shoes, and this is a religious stage, and that's a religious piano, or a gospel piano, a gospel stage, gospel shoes, gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ left heaven to come to earth, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that he arose from the dead. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. 1 Corinthians 5, 2 through 4, lay this out. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. Some of us here today have never believed. Some of us have believed in vain. He's saying, but man, listen, you need to believe rightly. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, he buried dead people, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scripture. When I was talking to Pierce, who I just baptized earlier this week, we were talking about Jesus dying for our sins. And I said, Pierce, it's great that he died, but if he hadn't come back to life, he couldn't help us. A dead Savior doesn't save anybody. But he did come back to life. So the gospel is this. The gospel is for you and me this morning. That Jesus Christ left heaven to come to earth. He died for your sins. 1 John 2, 2, he died for the sins of the world. He died for your sins. He arose from the dead for you. And the gospel is, is that if you will reach out to him and accept him by faith, he will save you and change your life today. Man, that's what you need more than anything else. Gallup Poll Services has been doing for about 15 years uh, surveys throughout the world. They, they hit 122 countries this year asking them about their happiness or their misery. This 2021 was the most miserable year uh, in, in, in recording history of this, this, not long, but I mean, it's interesting that people are more stressed and unhappy than they have been in the last 15 years. Probably the last 30 years would be my guess. Hmm. What do you need? How many of you need lower gas prices? Come on, can I get help? How many of you need just lower prices in general? 
I mean, because when, when gas goes up, everything goes up, right? Why is this Big Mac costing me $15? Well, that $8 gas probably helped it, didn't it? I mean, I want cheaper gas. I, I want cheaper prices. But you know what you need and I need more than anything else? Is you need a true relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's going to fix you here, make you better, and fulfill. Listen, and, and, and someday, listen, by, here's what Jesus says. The Bible holds no punches that, that when you die, you're going to stand before God. Well, I, I don't like to hear that preached. Well, it's all over the Bible. And, and that, there's, that you're going to either go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. And you do not have to go to hell. Isn't that great? You can, you, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It, it, it's what cures your biggest problem forever, ever. So here's the second thought with this. America needs the real Jesus. Now I want you to plug in, if, if, you're, if you're from Russia or China or Mexico, or, or you're, wherever your country is, it fits. Because the Roman Empire needed the real Jesus. The Roman Empire in Paul and Jesus' day was morally bankrupt. It was crooked. Listen, you think politicians are bad today. 2,000 years ago, you had no say at all. They had an emperor who was a king, a Caesar. Man, if, if they wanted to kill you, you died. A Roman soldier probably, especially if you weren't a Roman citizen, could kill you and it would be okay. They weren't going to be punished for that. And the governors and those people that were put in charge of areas, they could do whatever they wanted to. They needed freedom. They needed political reform. But more than anything else, Paul said in verse 19 and 20, pray that when I open my mouth, words will be given to me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I should declare it boldly and as I should. Paul knew what they needed in that country more than anything else was Jesus. And that's what we need. A couple of stats from recent polls. In America, belief in God has hit an all-time low since they've been keeping track of this. 81% of Americans say they believe in God. Now you go, that's pretty high. It was probably 90% 10 years ago, folks. So, 19% of people in America now say, I'm an atheist or an agnostic. I don't believe there is a God or I don't know if there is a God. Here's a stat that may be worse. Because this includes all of us in this room. Everyone that says they're a Christian. Last year, 19% of people who live in America engage their Bible regularly. 81% of Americans in the Christian country, we don't read our Bible regularly. Now, we'll argue religion, and we'll debate things. We just don't read the Bible. It's incredible. 67% of teenagers in America that are in church as teenagers, by the time they get out of college, have quit going to church altogether. That's a problem. That's a problem. How many of you watch the news occasionally? Just don't watch it before bedtime or you won't sleep well. There's a lot of crime going on. Have you noticed that? Thank God for Rustin. We're, we're blessed. Erwin Lutzer, a, a pastor who pastored for years in Chicago, said something that was prophetic. He, I'm sure he had seen this, but boy, we see it now. He said, when God is removed from the scene, people act like untamed animals. Watch the news this week. Tell me if that's not true. On a little bit different note, how many of you know who LeBron James is? Everybody knows who LeBron James is. Brandon told me after the first service, this, uh, I guess this month or recently, he has actually become a billionaire. He is a billionaire. 
He is one of the most recognizable athletes in the world, plays in the NBA. He's in multiple championships, MVPs. He lives in a $23 million home in Los Angeles. He is famous worldwide, fame, popularity, and power. Go back a couple of months ago till May, he tweets this out. I'm surprised at how lonely I am much of the time. 4,000 people responded to his tweets. (laughs) You don't know anything about tweets, ask your kid when you get home. 4,000 people responded to this billionaire who has fame and power and glory, who lives in Los Angeles where there's 20 million people in that surrounding area. And he says, I am so lonely most of the time. Wow. You know, I don't know him or his relationship with Jesus. I've never heard any statements about that. But you know what LeBron needs that you and I need? And that's a real relationship with Jesus. That's what he needs. Money's not going to fix what you're looking for. Power's not. Fame's not. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was our president for many years, 1941, in his State of the Union address, he enunciated what he called the four famous freedoms, what Americans need, people need. Freedom of speech, we need that, don't we? We lose freedom of speech, we will lose what we're doing right now. Y'all know that? Freedom of worship, amen. People ought to be free to not worship or to worship however they want to. I I believe that. I think God gives us that. Now, the next two, freedom from want. So, like, how can the government... Like, if I want a little Debbie at midnight and we don't have any, can I call the mayor? I, I mean, I, I'm not kind of being facetious. Freedom from fear, well, that's, yeah, that's a great thing. I don't know if the government can give that. But, but you know what Paul said? And Paul would have been certainly for those things. But what Paul said, what America needs, and more than anything else, and Americans need more than anything else, is a real relationship with Jesus Christ. So you who have that... Here's our next thought coming from God's word and from Paul. Americans need Christians to bring them to Jesus. You're a Christian this morning. God's looking to you to be his mouthpiece and his hands and feet to bring people to Jesus. One of my favorite verses is Romans 10, 13. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's that great verse. I may have that put on my tombstone. I just don't want my wife to get too anxious to get that tombstone out there with my name on it. I remember I'd go with my my mama and we'd look at my daddy after he died and my mama's name was on there. That always kind of creeped me out because she's standing by me and her name's on the tomb. I'm afraid Cindy might put that up there today. I love that verse though, but, but that verse overshadows the next verse because that's so great. Romans 10, 14, listen to this. How can they be saved? How can they call on one they have not believed in? How can they believe in one they have not heard about? And how can they hear without someone preaching? Don't get confused by the preaching. How can they call on someone that no one's told them about? In other words, what God is saying there is he wants everyone to be saved. Don't take issue with me on that. Take it with Romans 10, 13. And don't take issue with me on this next part. God's chose you and me to be the ones to deliver the message. And Paul gets that. 
Verse 19, I pray, pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given. The word words there is significant. It's the word logos, a great Greek word. Jesus in John chapter 1 verse 1 is called the logos of God. Logos is the intelligent expression. Jesus was God in the flesh. Paul was saying, when I open my mouth, may words come out that are meaningful and powerful. Maybe they be given to me so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. The word fearless means boldly and freely and frankly. Greek philosophers of Jesus and Paul's day, they considered one a great Greek philosopher if they were bold and frank. Frank doesn't mean that you cut people's heads off. You know, some people just, I tell it like it is. No, you probably damage people. He's not saying being that. He's saying, listen, what Paul's saying about these great Greek philosophers, what Paul's asked for, God, and you pray to God that I will be clear and not a coward when I share Jesus with people. Verse 20, listen to what he says, for which I am an ambassador in change. Paul, listen to what Paul's saying. You've got to get this. Paul's saying, by the way, I'm in prison for doing this. Pray that I will keep doing it more. Don't you know there were people telling Paul, Paul, zip your pie hole. Paul, just shut up and be nice and quit being so controversial. And Paul said, no, 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 no. People are going to hell without Jesus. Jesus is what they need. God's chosen to use us to bring Jesus to people. We're so passive. We will argue about stuff all day long, but we don't want to get tell anybody about Jesus. We don't want to offend them. I'm not, you don't need to be offensive, but you need to have courage. Paul said, by the way, I'm in prison already for doing this. Pray that I will continue to do it boldly. Paul says, I'm an ambassador of Christ. An ambassador is uh, an official, been for many, many years, and I mean hundreds of years, thousands of years, of the highest rank. And, And what an ambassador does, an ambassador represents their country in a foreign land. For instance, let's say we have... And and a United States ambassador who represents America to France, when they go to France, they're not representing France. They're not representing themselves. They are representing America and France. A a French ambassador that comes to America, he doesn't represent America. He's not representing himself. He's representing his country. And what Paul's saying is, Paul's saying, look, I am God's ambassador I am a, I'm a citizen of heaven on foreign soil. I'm not here to represent me and share my opinions or my views. I'm not here to share the world's views. I'm here to represent God. Wow. I'm going to bring that home to you more in just a second. Man, he ends in verse 20, that I will be fearless, bold, as I should. That little word should means ought. It means this is urgent, the nature of things. This is what I must do. And I find some comfort in this because Paul obviously was a little, he was struggling a little bit. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I know if you're a Christian, when it comes to inviting somebody to church, sometimes you get nervous. Much less tell them they need Jesus. How comforting it is that Paul is saying, hey, pray that I will be bold. Paul? You just thought Paul woke up bold. And Paul asked for his cereal in the morning, he was bold. I mean, he'd been beaten. He'd been stoned, and that doesn't have anything to do with marijuana. Y'all with me? Giggle a little. He'd been in prison. Paul had an experience where he said he didn't know if it was in the flesh or a vision, that he, he got to experience the third heaven. Wow. Paul had been bold. Paul, Paul was going to stand before Felix and Agrippa and eventually Nero. 
And Paul must have been struggling a little bit. So he goes, man, pray. Don't pray that I'll get free. Don't pray that I'll get broken out. Don't pray that I get a hacksaw. Pray that I will be fearless in sharing Jesus with my world. Wow. You know what God's telling you and me as Christians? To do the same thing. 2 Corinthians 5.20, you need to listen to this. Paul was God's ambassadors. He's talking to Christians here. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Here's what he's saying. This is great. He's saying when you became a Christian, you don't, you don't get to decide if this is true. If you're a Christian, this is true. You are God's representative here on earth. And if earth feels weird at times, it should because your citizenship is in heaven. And you are left here to represent God. Not your opinion, not my opinion, not the opinion of the world. You and I are left here to bring people to Christ. Romans 10, 14. How are they going to know unless somebody what? Unless somebody tells them you happen to be somebody. People are lost without Christ. People's lives here on earth are not what they should be without Christ. People are dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. How many of you know who Madonna is? Oh, you do. She's been famous a long, 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 long time. I don't read Vanity Fair, but I saw this article from Vanity Fair. Not that I'm not anti-Vanity Fair. It's just not, I read sports magazines. Here's what Madonna says. All my life, I have been struggling to conquer feeling inadequate. I always struggle with that fear. My drive in life from this has been horrible to beat just being average. And I'm always pushing. I'm always pushing because even though I have become somebody, I feel, still feel like I have to prove I'm somebody. My struggle has been never ending and I don't think it ever will be. I wish somebody could sit down with Madonna and say, listen, you need Jesus. You keep singing. Just dress a little bit better maybe. Keep dancing, just dance a little bit better. <laughs> but, but, but Madonna, you need Jesus. That's what you need. And see, see the point of, of these things is, it's LeBron, is that, that the things that the world thinks and that many of us think is going to make you happy and joyful and fulfilled, just don't do it. And Paul knew that. Paul knew that what the Roman world needed and Roman people needed is they needed Christians to step up and be God's ambassador and to be bold and to be courageous and be loving and kind and bold and courageous and bring other people to Jesus Christ. That's what they needed. We could debate all day on what America needs and America needs a lot, but America needs Jesus Christ. Needs Jesus Christ. That'll start turning things around. It started turning the Roman Empire around. We looked at slavery last week. One of the things that overthrew slavery in that part of the world at that era was when enough people got right with Jesus, they got rid of it. And every person you and I know needs Jesus. And every person you and I know Jesus is available for. E.V. Hill was a, a great pastor in California for years. This was probably, the story I'm going to tell you, was probably in the 50s, but it's a true story, as bizarre as this is going to sound. He must have been a young preacher at the time because he didn't intervene quick enough. I hope I would intervene quicker. And I'm sure he would when he was later. But he had, a, he had a guest preacher. And the preacher got up and he was preaching on the judgment of God and he was letting them have it. And he said, 
if you're a drunk, you're going to hell. Just go ahead and get out of here. People got up and started walking out. <laughs> he said, if you smoke cigarettes, you're going to hell. Get out of here. People started getting up and walking out. He said, if you dip snuff, some of you get nervous now. You're going to hell. E.V. Hill said, my mother got up and walked out. <laughs> That's embarrassing. He said, if you've had adulterous thoughts, now think about this. You're going to hell. Get out of here. E.V. Hill at that time ran up, grabbed the mic and said, all you have left, come back in here. That's why Jesus came to save you and to forgive you. Wow. Have you forgotten that? That the, the person you may consider bad or unreachable, man, Jesus can reach him. He just needs a mouthpiece. He needs a voice. And by the way, if you're a religious uh, snoot today, he can save you too. And you need it just as bad. George Whitfield was a great preacher in the 1700s. You won't find him on YouTube. And God used him and John Wesley, who's kind of the founder of the Methodist Church in England, they were friends, to transform their countries, transform America and transform England. They say at that time, America, the alcoholism, the, the immorality, you, it's hard to believe in the 1700s, was just terrible. And George Whitfield began to preach, and he began to pray. Here's what he prayed, God, save souls. Use me to see people saved or take me home. Wow. I want to encourage you not to pray that unless you really mean it. God, use me that people will be saved or, or, or take my life. There's estimates through his ministry and then through Wesley's ministry, over a million people were saved. That'd be the equivalent of 30 million being saved today population-wise, 40 million. You're not going to see this on CNN or Fox News, but church historians who've studied it say that that movement may have saved the young America, turned it back to God. Historians in England say what happened in England at that time may have saved England from being overran by France when enough people got right with God and turned their country around. And you know, God's looking for men and women today who belong to him, who will sincerely pray and say, God, use me to bring others to you. God, whatever it takes, use me to bring other people to you. Folks, that's what America needs. That's what you need and what I need. So here's what I want to throw out to you. If you're a Christian today, are you truly helping other people come to Christ? Don't hide behind that's not my gift or whatever. It is your gift. It is your calling. And maybe if you're watching at home or maybe here, you, you, home, you want to get on your knees by the couch here. Maybe you want to come to the altar. You want to pray for somebody. Or maybe it's time to say, God, I want my life to matter for eternity. God, use me to help other people come to you. Christian, respond today. Let's don't just sit on the bench. Let's respond today. If you're looking for a church home, I want to say unapologetically, we're a church that's going to lift up Jesus 
and try to help as many people as we can come to him. That's what we're going to be about. You can join after church. You can come and join us right now. When we stand, we would love for you to. You can join online. And if you're not a Christian, today's your day. And I plead with you. I plead with you. Give your life to Christ today. You can come when we stand. In a moment, I will lead you in a prayer to give your life to Christ. We'll talk to you after church. But today's your day. What you need and I need and our country needs and world needs is Jesus. He's available. Let's stand. Let's respond to him. As you continue to pray, I would just ask you, Christian, man, let God have your life. Ask God, pray this prayer for other people. Pray this prayer for yourself that Paul had. And I guarantee you, 100 years from now, God will have used you to make a huge difference in our world. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you are, but you're ready right now to give your life to Christ, I invite you to pray with me. Pray and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died for me. That you arose for me. And I ask you to come into my life, Jesus. And I surrender my heart to you. I surrender to you, Jesus. I 
谁？